Open the pod bay doors, please, pal. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna need a bigger potion. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Look at the coast. We get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> a movie artist with Brad Patel and Gus Trapper. Hey, sidebar, and this also is not going in. Okay. It could go in. Actually, this can go in because it's completely legal. Okay. Diet smoke. Diet smoke? Yeah, it's is, uh, it's a Delta 8 THC, which is legal here in Pennsylvania. Okay. For anybody to order. And it's uh, has a, it's quite powerful. <clears throat> What do you? What is it? Is it flour? No, you don't need a prescription of anything. It's uh, completely hemp derived. Uh, like it's kind of like CBD. <clears throat> huh. Like really strong CBD. But it's got THC in it. Yeah, but it's uh, it's Delta Eight THC, which is like legal in most states. <laughs> oh my god! They should yeah. just legalize it. Come on, people, legalize weed for God's sake. What are you waiting for? It's ridiculous that it's not completely legal everywhere. I mean, who are we're we? Gonna, we uh, there's another podcast I listen to, uh, which has a ridiculous title. It's a very, I think it's a funny podcast. I could, it could, it would probably turn off a lot of people. Uh, it is, it's called Come Town, C-U-M-T-O-W-N. Okay. Uh, it's three comedians. Um, <laughs> it's actually a really, really popular podcast. Uh they did a they're sponsored by diet we diet smoke diet smoke okay dietsmoke.com it this but is not an advertisement that we're being paid for just uh if you but it's a thing you put in your pipe and smoke basically nope it's a gummy oh it's, it's an edible yep and oh. they work okay I'll, I'm going to try that. Um, it was 34, or... 34 bucks for a 30 pack. It's a little tiny, you know, it looks like, uh, yeah. like a little thing, a gummy, like vitamin gummies or something. Right. It's, it's like, it's not super strong, but it like, you do feel it. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. It's it fucking gets you where you want to go. It's good. It's good. All right. That sounds good. I like things that get me where I want to go. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm where I want to be for the most part. I, <laughs> I don't, um, I don't do a lot of that anymore, but um, yeah, I'll check it out. It sounds awesome. Edibles like, have always yeah. kind of like hit me hard. So I, uh, I well, it's to, just not going to ever be as strong as it's not as strong as like normal THC or whatever, like the standardized THC out there. Okay. Yeah. This is okay. Delta eight. It's different. It's it's legal in most States without prescription. And, uh, Jesus Christ, look, look, look at us. We're not even <laughs> today's episode free, free <laughs> brought to you by, Oh, that's, that's cool. Maybe we can get a sponsorship. Maybe they can sponsor our podcast. Yeah. Everyone eat this diet smoke stuff. <laughs> uh i said it's cool gus said it's cool um yeah come town says it's cool uh, yeah so there we go i mean what more do you need who like listen to us every week um so we thank you, you for that um we're doing a paul thomas anderson marathon 
I'm just going to go through them here. Um, yeah. This this is going to be Starting chronological. From the beginning. Yeah. It may or may not be uninterrupted. We might shoot because this is like nine movies, ten movies. Heart Eight ninety six. That's today's movie. Boogie Nights ninety seven. Magnolia ninety nine. Punch Drunk Love two thousand two. There will be blood two thousand seven. The Master twenty twelve. Inherent Vice twenty fourteen. Phantom Thread. 2017 licorice pizza 2021 so i guess this kind of started because we were wanting to do a licorice pizza episode <laughs> but we missed and it then... in theater so now by the time we get to it it will hopefully be out on uh, video on demand which i i think is for sure going to happen and then gus was like let's just watch all of his movies and i'm yeah. like sure that sounds good so what is yeah, that just... nine movies ten movies ten movies wait i can't count nine movies starting tonight heart eight hey gang <laughs> that was my intro my name is brad yeah. patello i'm here with my good friend gus trouth well we might i don't know if there's what this because that's nine movies it's like two months if if we record every week and yeah um i don't know if there's anything coming out that we would want to i think the only thing that would probably interrupt it would be like a a new movie that we need to go check out like, I saw this movie I'd never heard of called Hellbound. I saw a review of it and okay. it's like made, it was made during the pandemic and it's a indie horror movie and it was made by like a family, like oh, wow. the dad's directing and they wrote it and like the mother and dad and daughter are all star in it. And it's sort of like witches and modern day stuff. It looks fucking cool. Like everything I saw was like, holy shit, this looks cool. And the guy was raving about it. So all right. Well, maybe might, we'll we, you know maybe we'll check that out. When does that come out? Yeah, it's out already. Oh, all right. We well, can rent we it. Could, it's sure. on shutter if you have shutter. <laughs> um, so Paul Thomas Anderson. You love him, you hate him. No. He's Who the best. Him? No one hates him. Uh, my, I have a friend that doesn't, you know, he likes, he love, he love hates him. You know what I mean? Um, he's, he, he's a conundrum. Okay. I think he doesn't like pretentious stuff. So like uh, the master, he's like, fuck this guy. I yeah, love pretentious it, stuff. That's yeah, I do too. My favorite, my there, favorite genre. It, well, there's actually a, a, an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson. I remember where he's talking about pretension and that like, you kind of need to be to a to a level. There is yeah. like a line you can cross where it's it's not good, right? And Quentin Tarantino talks about this too. It's like it's like you're it's cool until it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretentious until it's or it's not pretentious until it is. I don't know. And no you one knows pull where it the line or, is, or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all do sort of you know to a level. I think yeah. there is agreed upon like blurred line where some people it. are falling into the, uh, I love this. And then the, the, you know, and then there's the obvious stuff that I think is just so obviously pretentious, but people might like that still, you know what I mean? People like sour things, people like salty things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like, I like pretentious stuff until, until it gets preachy, I guess that's my line. I guess everybody probably has a different line, you know? Yeah. Like, but like you know love wes anderson people think he's pretentious but i love yeah, him. i it's... no i love him too i don't find it he's 
he's like going for something and it works. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. more, it's, it's like, a, that's like an easy target that people are like a false target. Like they yeah. think that's what that pretension. No, 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 no. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like completely fucking wrong. I'm trying to think what I think is pretentious and contrived as hell is like boondock saints. Okay. That's trying so hard to be something and it's so fucking obvious. And that movie the, was really try hard. Fucking worst. Yeah. yeah. I guess I can't think of anything that most of the listeners would have heard of, but like a lot of animated films they screen at Ottawa, I think are very pretentious, yes. like yeah. cr crossing the line into not enjoyable pretentious, but I don't think. Yeah. I, I can't has... get into that, that level of like, there's a certain level of art house that is just like, yeah. Fuck off. And I love like experimental stuff too, like animations that, and I, I rarely see films like this, but there's a lot of animation that's non-narrative where it's just imagery and and just experimenting with sound and and, and images. And, and I love that stuff. It's like, I don't know, I guess for me, the line is preachiness, like, because that, that's a very close, that, that's a tough one, because like, you know, you want to like say something with your work, but you don't want to come across like you're telling people what to think you know or you know what i mean I yeah I, I i i think it would be easy it's kind of like absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of thing it's like when you're getting you're in complete control of this project you know i feel but, i do feel like one thing i was going to bring up and i don't know if he's really guilty of this i guess i was going to bring this up during my batman review which i don't know if you want me to do that I'll, I'll, i was going to do that at the end but yeah but i you can't spoil i don't i, I don't want to go in knowing too much no it's not a it wouldn't be a spoiler i was just yeah. going to comment that it, first of all the movies are really long these days like yeah it was it's like three hours right yeah and i think part of that and it hurts to say this but i think part of it is the fact that directors have too much control like some directors, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like there used to be like a push and pull with like the studio and the producers and, you know, they would demand cuts and uh, the director wouldn't want to cut stuff. And, you know, that's a little bit of a double-edged sword though. Cause you know, the director's got the artistic vision but they can also fall in love with their footage yeah I, I think that really comes i think you need a really good editor right but like this first movie for example heart eight did you like that transition yeah <laughs> well i mean he he didn't have complete creative control over this one and uh there was some pushback from the studio wanting it wanting to cut stuff and i think he did end up getting final cut but um one of the demands they made on this was the the title they didn't want it to be called his original right? sydney was his title and they settled on hard eight um i kind of get neither of them work because no one saw this movie right uh, i'm pretty sure it was <laughs> this is one of those movie this is a movie i feel like that kind of came and went even though it's it's not a bad movie and you can tell it's his first although it yeah. is extremely like good like comparatively it, it, the like maturity level of this uh cinematic language is like yeah 
that of like an 80 year old master or something like that. It's, but it's the, uh, still rough around the edges. It's the bottle rocket of his cannon, basically. Like, yes, you can see some of the stuff poking through, but a lot of it feels derivative in like a bad, like you, in a, in a bad way. Right. It feels like he saw reservoir dogs and pulp fiction and got like, and was really smart and like that that boom of that uh of oh yeah indie film this is there yeah this is 96 so this is like yeah this is the era when people were oh pulp fiction's really popular let's make gangster films and and it's all about them it, it's it's the inner it's less about like what they're doing and more about how they talk to each other and they're yeah kind of day-to-day and these mundane moments it all yeah. is feeding into uh a plot but in an interesting way it's just not like in your face like all right you're gonna go over here well he does kind of do that for a second but that's part of the plot is or part of that scene is him telling him uh philip baker hall who yeah. is the who plays sydney the main character he is the backbone of this movie and uh, oh, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson uh, regular. Yeah. How he's many in Boogie movies? Nights. Yeah. He's, how many? Uh, he's, uh, he's definitely in Boogie Nights. He's definitely in uh, Magnolia. I don't know if he's in any movie after that. And I don't, I don't, he, he can't still be alive. This guy looks like he's like a hundred in this movie. Uh, this he, he, was, he was 65 here. Um, That's uh, a hard 65 yeah he uh he looks great i mean like that mug he has he is still alive he's 90 years wow. old yeah holy shit his last he's doing something his last film was uh wow 2021 he was in a oh he's in a documentary i don't want his last big he was in argo um I, that one might be his last like big hollywood thing that he did that fucking movie sucks. I didn't see it. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of shorts. Um, Rush Hour three, he was in 2007, Zodiac, of course. Oh yeah, he's in all the Rush Hour movies. Yeah. So oh Philip, yes, of course, yeah, Zodiac, right. He's uh the handwriting expert. So Philip Baker Hall, like would wouldn't think of his him as conviction man as material. A, yeah, I agree, but like man, he's so good. His conviction. He's great in this, and his and his his principles of his character are so good, yeah, and so well. Like you believe everything that's coming out of his mouth, and I, yeah, like with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm sorry. Well, he's in this movie too, uh, but uh, I meant John C. Riley. Uh, he, 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 you can tell he's got something and his spark and a look to him. And he's a good, like, kind of a full character, but he can also play, like, as it goes on, he is, like, when it kind of jumps forward a little bit, and he's got a suit on now, and uh, they're kind of a team. Yeah. Um, he, he carries himself in a way, too, there that is believable as a more confident, you know, but not like a, like a nice guy, too. His character, you mean, not yes. the actor specifically, right? But I'm what I'm getting at is that in this movie, he's still rough around the edges as an actor. Yeah, well, this is early in his career. Yeah, 
I mean, he was in a few things. Film debut, Casualties of War, 1989. He was in a couple things. What's Eating Gilbert Grape, The River Wild. Um, but I mean, those yeah, are big he, movies. He's he, had quite a career. All of yeah. those are good. You know, I mean, Casualties of War isn't like the top fucking it's no, Vietnam it's, movie yeah. or anything like that. But it's not unwatchable. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's those are all good movies i think mostly yeah. yeah yeah so he can pick good scripts um we you know we discussed his career a little bit when we talked about sisters brothers but yeah God, this is so good in that movie early in his career here he is was, doing stuff in this movie that is so john c Riley though yeah <laughs> like uh he was like he goes uh go in the bathroom and uh he wants him to shave sydney wants him to shave yeah and he's like but I'm growing a beard. Yeah. Like his delivery there and the simplicity of that line and how it just everything about that is so John C. Riley and very, it's like, I don't know. It's one of those chicken before the egg thing. Uh, what came first is that John C. Riley or is that Paul Thomas Anderson? Because Paul Thomas Anderson has, these kind of lines like that in his funnier movies yeah you know and boogie nights and magnolia and uh punch drunk love it feels very john c Riley. yes the delivery of it is perfect yeah there's a bunch of little lines like that though like that are like one line that i noticed is like sam jackson telling philip baker hall not to smoke in his car and insisting and then Philip Baker Hall says, well, I'm going to smoke anyway. And then he says, okay, can I have one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his line, don't, same thing. Like, it's that droll, like, understated as a joke, but it's like a moment of levity intentionally, but it's really understated. Like the Yes, exactly. Which, <laughs> it's pulled off pretension, basically, right? Yeah. yeah. Like Watch that line. Yeah, it's just... I, it's, I think this movie, like a, a broad stroke for me, would be that it's, you can see all of the, like, that this Paul Thomas Anderson has something going for him. But after seeing all his other stuff and coming back to it, you can see that it, there's something, and I can't quite articulate it, but it's like the music doesn't quite fit. There's, and it's, I'm, a lot of this stuff might come to budget. You know, he might not have had a lot of extra money for uh, needle drops and stuff. Yeah. Or and creative score, control, too. Was... True. And the scores, <clears throat> th there's part okay. of the score that is, it's okay. It's just some of it, it doesn't, it, it, like, it's just so barely off. It's of got it that... not connecting with the with the visuals or something. It's it's fine. It works good enough. It's, you can see it just, some of the stuff of this movie doesn't fit a camera move or a, or some of um, some of the acting, yeah, you know, Maybe some like of the first some of the sequences, thing. yeah, like when they're um, there's right, it's just a little sloppy or rough around the edges. The the scene where they're um, he could, Sydney convinces John C. Riley to uh, go with him to Vegas to go to the casinos and stuff. Like the very first scene. Yeah. That, well, the, the following scene to that is them driving. Yeah. And then he's in like the front of the car and yeah. 
that, that that's a good line like oh hey can you pull over and then that cut then to that. Cuts, i like yeah. the idea of that i'm just saying i think it could have been done better the driving like scene cha- yeah like the, they yeah. changed the angle it's kind of uh the flow of it isn't like as snappy or as um tight as his other stuff oh yeah i wrote down very long conversation in car that that conversation i felt like didn't move the story forward enough to warrant like how long it was it didn't... and like that idea i lo- like i love that cut to john c Riley with his waiting in line for a movie and his pants explode and he whaps it out and like that no one notices and he kind of does like he thinks the guy's gonna turn around so he kind of does like a gesture to that guy like whoa what just happened yeah. you know, but no one turns around and looks at him that's great and that feels very like everything he's trying to do in this movie he executes flawlessly for the most part in uh his next two movies yeah the the, the the camera work the uh every the cohesiveness of it all some of this stuff just feels there's stretches of this movie that feel great and there's stretches of this movie that aren't quite there yeah to where uh... other movies are like i mean boogie nights is uh, there's not one part in that movie that i don't like i think it's great all of his other films up to 2014 i've seen but this one i hadn't seen before um and i was impressed with his use of uh shot reverse shot in some of the scenes the way he's filming conversations i really liked like that first scene Oh, it looks so good. How good does that look? The light yeah. that's so natural, but like the depth and the the blacks and the he's the inside eye. the space for the first part of that scene. He's inside the space of the conversation, like he's doing one shots of the characters, and they're almost looking directly in camera, almost like they're sizing each other up. And then there's a reveal when John C. Riley reveals that he needs six thousand dollars to pay for his mom's funeral. And I wanted to that I want to put a pin in that number because that number comes back later for some reason but mm-hmm. uh but then when that reveal happens we get a two shot and then from there the conversation goes to over the shoulders because now we've softened and like their relationship has kind of their relationship has started at that point emotionally right yeah. it's the point where because john c Riley is like suspicious at first and that's kind of the point where he's going to start to go along so i thought a lot of his conversation stuff was really good for how simple it was and it was very um utilitarian it, it, it leaves maybe? you doesn't it leave you in, intrigued as well you're like yeah. what, like there again it's i think it's philip baker hall but like his performance and the script but how you kind of want to know what's going on next and you can see it in john c Riley's character that he wants to okay well i will go along now they're driving and then they get there and then that that whole scene once they get to the casino and you kind of figure out what they're doing their little grift scam yeah and he's thanking him for it and <laughs> he's like lacing up his uh velcro thing his yeah. shoes <laughs> like there's just all those touches like Again, yeah, this movie could kind of be doom and gloom. The kind of casino world is so depressing, in my opinion. It 
yeah i mean it it the tone of it, it doesn't is, really have like a flashy lights and stuff it's more like the what actual casinos kind of look like that aren't maybe the biggest ones in vegas you know yeah it's very grounded the tone like it there's there are moments of levity but thank god yeah that's all yeah right. i appreciate that yeah but um i don't know if the the tone of it never felt off to me I just feel like he hasn't quite found his voice. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's a very simple film just in terms of how he shot it. Like there's yeah. not a lot of really some long takes. There's there's a couple long takes. There's some couple really fun shots that are like oneers um of I don't know, when they're leaving the hotel, there's a oneer that that's really cool, but but a lot of it is just very um I guess not static, but there's not, it's not flashy. Like the filmmaking here is, it's almost like he can feel his limitations or he's holding himself back maybe. Yeah. I think this is probably also, I like Tarantino wrote Reservoir Dogs in mind of the fact that he was, might have to shoot this with his friends. Yeah. So like <laughs> everything, like, it wasn't like he wrote this crazy script and we're going to figure out how we do it and we're going to backtrack and then cut all these things. It's like, I'm sure there were scenes that were cut, but he was like, all right, well, we're not going to have the diamond actual heist in it because that's too much, you know, yeah. gun scene and figuring all that out. Like there's that chase scene with Buscemi, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. But uh, the, it, and it's basically in like one you know apartment or uh that warehouse yeah one location um i think the same what you're i agree with you that this movie is probably he i don't think i think he, he's a smart motherfucker and wrote a movie that he could make yeah for a, a, a low a low budget assuming he wasn't going to have complete control and yeah keeping it simple i most almost you know yeah it's yeah it's and the the simplicity is still it's not so simple. It's simply, it's genius in its simplicity. Well, yeah. I mean, and well-crafted. It's, it's not hard. Like, it's hard to do yeah. simple, you know, yeah. it's really it's, controlled camera push-ins, not yeah. a zoom in, but like, it's like tracking shot in on a door or yeah. following somebody. It's there's like a, and that, that speed of that camera is throughout. Like when he's even the beginning, whenever the camera's pushing up to, uh john c Riley outside of the diner yeah and yeah um, slow push there it's he's really nice yeah very controlled and very low-key yes like the pacing of the film and the the conversations and just the the camera work the plot progression too yeah you don't really on you like so Sydney is taking John C. Riley under his wing and you don't know why, but then they do a good thing of kind of, he, he's, he, he sort of sees somebody down. You think he sees somebody down and out and because he does the same thing with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Man, Gwyneth was on a run at the beginning. John, uh, 95 is her first movie, which is seven. Yeah. And she's incredible in that. I, it's easy to forget how great of an actor yeah. she is like she's she a little bit this. of a little bit of a punchline now with all the great right. stuff but like she and was really 90, good yeah or, or whatever what i think it's 99 or 2000 is uh 
Royal Tannenbaums. Yeah, 2001. Shakespeare yeah, she, in Love. She won Shakespeare. an Academy Award. That was really good. Yeah. She was good in that. Sliding yes. Doors was good, too. I, I think she's... I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, it's a... Thriller? It's good. Yeah, it's sort of... Sort of like a... Oh, fucking... Um, parallel re- universe kind of... Remake of... Uh, talent and mr ripley that movie fucking sucks thank you oh my god it's the worst movie so many people like sing that movie's praises i hate it so much it's so bad and it's so fucking 90s it's and i I do love like rich people and like lollygagging through europe is always (laughs) fun to me it's a genre and just like you know slip on shoes and fucking white chinos and fucking <laughs> linen and shit i love it but uh anyways yeah gwen paltrow is amazing in this but what i'm getting at is that you you see sort of like a trend with him that he kind of finds these people and helps them get back on their feet yeah. in a way and you think that's his shtick right and then it's not until like the last that's like act that you act find out exactly what happened yeah that's and a great it, reveal it, it is a great reveal and it the, the movie is enjoyable either i think a, enough or very enjoyable to i think a lot that you're just on the on for the ride with these characters yeah early in the film i wrote down because i hadn't seen it before yeah i wrote what is sydney's motivation why is he helping these people and i i pictured him like i don't know i was waiting for some weird twist where he was like an angel or something super cheesy like that but the twist that what it really is it's a really great it gives a lot of depth to the character and i feel like you would almost need to watch it again to know that twist is there to look at his performance and kind of evaluate like what the subtext he's putting in you know to his performance that yeah because uh should we tell people the twist i guess this is a spoilery podcast this is a spoiler podcast if you don't know that already yeah like <laughs> well yeah yeah let's let's talk about it well so we in act three we find out that philip baker hall's character is an ex mobster who had murdered john c Riley's dad his character's dad so somehow at the beginning of the film he finds him takes him under his wing is like basically a father figure to him helps it's a him redemption out. story yeah it, so it, it, it yeah. kind of it, this this movie is sort of like i'm thinking about right now um it kind of reminds me there's like a little bit of color of money where it's this like underground seedy kind of grifter thing going on and and an older guy taking a younger guy that he sees potential in under his wing right and then it also with eventually it kind of becomes like an unforgiven kind of movie where when you're meeting the main character when you're meeting um uh clint eastwood in unforgiven he is a good man he has escaped his demons but by the end of the movie he is brought back to being like a drunk murderer and that's how it just fucking straight up ends spoiler on that one the movie's awesome yeah Uh, the same thing with this movie it's not 
that he that Sydney goes so far off the deep end, but it does show that he there is a very immoral dark side to him where instead of letting John C. Riley know the truth, yes, and lose money, you know, or even just lose money, you know, and and uh, either which he doesn't want to lose his money or let him know that he yeah. was the the guy who killed his father. So yeah, so he murders Sam Jackson's character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Sam That's... Jackson's the one who reveals. Yeah, and that is such a great like, just one line of information right before that that it cuts on that scene it's like he turns and walks away from him he's like i know you shot his dad or whatever in the head or something it's pretty like yeah it's violent. brutal yeah. yeah and well i yeah i mean the, the build-up to that too is like intercutting between he he's broken into sam jackson's apartment and he's like just sitting there waiting for him to get home Again, that really good um, reverse shot, but like it's it's on Sydney, and then it's pushing towards the door. Then it's pushing on Sydney, and then it's pushing yeah. towards the door. <laughs> but intercutting that with like yes, uh, Sam Jackson, Sam Sam uh, Jackson at the casino trying yeah, to having like, a ball, yeah. yeah. And then inter also intercut with that is um, John C. Riley and Gwyneth Paltrow driving to um, Niagara Falls for their honeymoon. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. I hadn't seen this movie in so long that I thought that there might have been a kind of color of money thing going on where the the students have become the master and they're grifting Sydney. Oh. And that guy's not passed out and he's that's not real blood. And oh yeah they're doing like this whole thing and uh so like re-watching that i was sort of like is that what's going on and then it kind of like oh no they are just driving to he he's giving them an out and and kind of being like a uh the wolf from uh pulp fiction kind of yeah. he's like a, he's a fixer i feel like that could have worked yeah but i don't know um that scene by the way the storytelling in this and the scene where they kind of are in the hotel where I guess it's a midpoint twist, but the way that's filmed is really clever and a little bit frustrating, right? Yes. I think it's that, yeah, the tension of just him getting into the door. Yeah. We're outside the door with Philip Baker hall. He's knocking at the door. We hear John C. Riley on the other side, and he's like, I really messed up. You promise you'll help me? So that goes on for a couple minutes. Then he eventually gets in the door. And then we don't see what he's looking at. We just see his reaction, and it's it's like, what's happening here? And who is this? And you're trying to piece together what he's talking about. And then when it's and, and, and he's not giving all he's not divulging all the information. He says, "Well, only the wife knows." And who saw you down at the? He's because, you know, Sydney is a smart motherfucker and like is just going through like a million files in his head of like, okay, what, yeah. what could go wrong? And who knows? And how can we get out of this? And okay, this is we've gone too far. Like, you need to get rid of this. You need to do this. He's told 
they've told Samuel Jackson knows. Right. But like, just. But that, you don't know that until they're leaving. Like he doesn't divulge that information until like Sydney's helping them. Oh, so that's his motivation for killing Sam Jackson. Well, I'm just saying uh, part of it. No, well, I just don't, he doesn't like Samuel Jackson. That's true. The but... opening scene. And he mentions it later too. He's like, he's right. like, no, it's fine. He was like that. And well, he's like, he's afraid he doesn't like you. He's like, well, I don't like him. Right. <laughs> well, I, I guess, I mean, my first read on it is that his motivation is to prevent John C. Riley from ever finding out the truth. Yes. I think that, that was, that was my first. As, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like his first motivation and then getting his money back is sort of incidental. I felt like, cause like, Oh, I might as well take my money back too. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was, uh, I'm just saying that's, that's in his head. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like well, he, also the fact that uh, uh, Sam Jackson knows what they did, like the yeah, they basically half kidnap a guy. They kind of kidnap a guy. Gwyneth is like turning tricks, and her performance, by the way, she's she's I, the second best act, best performance in this. I would it, like I I know I said it before, but yeah, she's really good in this. Like when she's feeling ashamed because of what they did. Yeah. It's so good. Like she is so she is killing it there. And she has the ability like they like she has a um uh etheric kind of vibe in 7 and yeah. kind, I, you know she can just have that kind of right yeah. am I using the she, right word correctly no, I like think, uh... like like she she is like this she's like a perfect being you know and otherworldly yeah and like in and in this movie they re like how they tease her hair and and the makeup and her performance really grounds her as just you know a sort of unknown legend if you're neil young fan yeah she's yeah she's so good in this but yeah so they there was a guy like a john basically that didn't pay her and uh they sort of half kidnapped him and so this is revealed in a really clever way through a series of shots and like when we cut to gwyneth like we don't even realize she's there at first yeah, for quite a while. Yeah, we, we cut to the, we finally cut to the reverse. We don't really we see just like a corner of the guy on the bed and we kind of see her cowering in the corner. And just the way it makes sense in terms of emotional impact, I guess, the way that they reveal that to us, the way that Paul Thomas Anderson revealed that to us. The whole movie is sort of it, uh, that emotional impact of reveals, yeah, like in a slow burny kind of way, like a very controlled pacing of uh, details. So they feel earned, you know. Yes. They, it doesn't feel like they're doing it just to get a um, a rise out of the audience. It feels like valid to the character and the story. Well, I wanted to come back to the six thousand number because that yeah. was like. 
So that's the amount of money that at the beginning of the film that John C. Riley needs to pay for his mom's funeral. And that's the money at the end of the film that uh, Philip Baker Hall gives to Sam Jackson to bribe him out of revealing. He wants truth. 10 and he goes, I have six. Yeah. Do you think there's any significance to that number? Or is that some kind of. Unless it's just a, like a subconscious cue for you to remember the big, that's intro scene. Yeah. Subconsciously for you to like. Call back to this yeah. moment. I have no, I really don't know. It's, it feels like some kind of weird bookend, but I can't, <laughs> I can't figure out what it is or what it, if it's supposed to mean something, but it's at the it's significant in the beginning of the film and it's significant in the end of the film so i'm like well that has to mean something right but maybe that's just me reading too much into it I don't know. right i don't know yeah i well um yeah so what do you think all in all you uh i liked it i yeah it's it's um, really good i would suggest it to anybody especially if you're a fan of paul thomas anderson just to see where he started from and i would say it's a lot more enjoyable and a better film than uh bottle rocket but it's definitely not as good as reservoir dogs if we're talking firsts here yeah i was it's a lot it reminded me a lot of bottle rocket just in that way like you can see his voice peeking out here and yeah there. You, you can see where he's gonna go you know yeah and it is really good like it is it's just when you compare it to his other movies. Yeah. The thing about Quentin Tarantino that's so surprising is fucking Reservoir Dogs off the gate is like exactly his voice and maybe the best time he's ever fucking done it. I mean, I yeah. I rewatch that movie all the time. It's so good. Yeah. There's definitely some a little bit here and there that's a little rough around the edges, but the whole movie has like a built in rough around the edges that it works you know now and, was the uh, uh the script for there's just like a magic in the air with his first three movies yeah the script for true romance was that written before pulp fiction yes and okay. that was um right and then tony scott right uh, so he didn't direct that. that but no so uh anything else before we get into what are you watching nope all right i think that's it i'm excited for more paul thomas anderson movies. yeah we're gonna so we'll see we're we're definitely doing uh boogie nights next week so tune in for that what are you watching well i saw the batman yeah let's um no spoilers we were gonna originally we were gonna do this as an episode but you got busy and couldn't go so yeah sorry about that i saw it it's fine i saw it with my kids uh more like the batman <laughs> it was way too long it took itself way too seriously it was so dour and so dark and so emo like robert yeah. pattinson is the most emo bruce wayne ever like he's got the emo hair yeah yeah, yeah. he's he's got like you know when he puts on the batman costume he's got black makeup around his eyes and then he just leaves it on and cries. So like he looks like Robert Smith or something from the eighties. Uh -huh. I, 
it was too long i don't know i i wasn't i was on board for acts one and two where they have this nice little detective story going that's what i heard that it was like kind of going for was a more like seven procedural kind yeah of. and i was on board for that and they kind of they kind of wrapped it up and then the movie grinds on for like almost another hour after that hmm. it's like uh i mean it it looked good everything um, i've seen looks like there is just a perfection to the look of that movie like it looks a, he's it like looks really good crashing down through like maybe a, a glass ceiling and just the pose that batman is in and he's yeah. not flailing his arms or doing too much it's just very like it's as if you could if you made something animated live action like what i've kind of talked about like yeah i think every some really impressive stuff i think at, at least every couple minutes i would go oh that's a cool shot whoa that's a cool shot yeah i mean he uh, that director is his um knowledge of v vfx and how to use them in a way that's like unbelievable yeah. obviously all those uh yeah it looked awesome. the planet of the eight movies are like really impressive visually but the problem is um good score uh yeah it was good score yeah okay <laughs> i think you might have a higher tolerance for long movies than me i i yeah, I, no, I understand though, but I, I guess I, I'm interested to, I'm definitely interested to see it. I wish I could have seen it in the theaters. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's too tough right now. That The detective story in Acts 1 and 2 is really good, like the procedural. Yeah. I really like that part of it, but it's just like the last hour of the film was just, most of it didn't need to be there. I mean, they, they kind of wrap up the story the mystery story and then there's like a whole nother plot i'm just like why why do you do that that's what i was saying with movies being too long like why i mean if you can't tell your story in two hours i, I don't know i don't i don't get it <laughs> I'm, I'm old but i don't yeah, know yeah I, I i yeah i don't know i it just has to be there was no that, it just has to be that good it yeah. was it wasn't that good <laughs> yeah it wasn't good enough to it was good for two hours it wasn't good for three hours and the right. tone of it was so dour i've never seen that much rain in a film <laughs> my son turns to me he goes why is it always raining <laughs> i'm like well that's that's, that's an emotional cue i guess for yeah. the audience <laughs> last time i saw that much rain was in lost <laughs> it's constantly raining oh, yeah, lost. it's really wet but like for me, and people are going to disagree with this because, you know, people love the Nolan films and I love the Nolan films too. But they're fucking fine. Like the, they're, for me, they're, I mean, they're good, but they're not that good. It's the plot's so diluted well, with yeah. so much shit going on. I just don't, you don't give a shit about the characters eventually. Yeah. I mean, that was my experience as well. I was saying that to soften the blow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I liked Batman Begins a lot. Um, but honestly, for me, the Tim Burton movies are the perfect tone for Batman. You know, it's like, right. It's very, it's very gothic, of course. 
but there's just enough there's just fun. enough cheese to it there's it's yeah just enough camp you don't want too much camp then you end up with joel schumacher like i can understand not wanting to put humor in batman because then then it would be it has the risk of being batman and robin basically right but the tim burton movies i thought were like for me the best interpretation of that world uh and people may disagree with that but that's that's my that's my story and i'm sticking to it i hear you i'm 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 excited just to see it uh i i didn't mean to kill your enthusiasm no 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 i'm actually glad you're doing that because then i might like it more you know you're bringing my bar down lower oh okay (laughs) the the thing that i i would say is none of his movies i did think that the i remember seeing the second his first apes movie he directed yeah whatever that second one's called and being like holy shit this was like this would be really hard to pull off and be good yeah, like making these apes believable and you care about them and stuff. Um, to where that I the third one was coming out and uh, and the scope of it seemed really interesting and it again it looks pretty good but something about that second movie is the only movie that I'm what I'm getting at is none of his movies are like they look awesome they have good performances and you kind of go why wasn't that good the scores kind of pretty, usually pretty good I think he uses the same guy most of the time. Yeah. and like you know i've all with, that was true like, of this like, yeah it looked great well all right what are you watching well i finished pam and tommy and it was very good oh we in, finished that too yeah like it's it's not the best show i've ever seen but it was good um i really like that sebastian dude i think yeah. he's awesome um, i liked and, how occasionally in the in the show they will reference the sort of declining career thing where hair metal in the 80s is being replaced with like grunge in the 90s like right but i think it has so much to do with like his psyche at the time like the pressure of that he's he's trying to maintain this thing hold on to this youthful thing he had yeah fame and and popularity and everything's okay to now he has this person that he loves so much which they do a great job of that relationship you really yeah. believe that yeah and then the that you can see like that scene where he's sort of drunk and at the bar in las vegas and it's the second time people are kind of like complimenting him on his on his dick oh yeah but this time he's like oh i guess i could be a porn star and like he's like just kind of going with it right and you and you know that like he everybody can be like that like they know you know you're being an idiot when every word that's coming out of your fucking mouth is a lie yeah but you're just kind of going with it yeah because you want to be accepted and it doesn't matter who you are so like and i get that and it sucks that like he's being like that and for pam to see him like all of that stuff hits fucking hard it's and it's honest and true it's good i really like that show yeah it, w- it worked really well like the- i would say that like Seth rogan's whole part in it is interesting but definitely the weaker part as far as the performance and the writing and the story all yeah that whole it was, like, it was interesting to have that yeah and well, i think it, it kind of needed it, it made a better tv show right yeah it's like inner um, inner cutting plots and it was all 
well true ish you know yeah. i mean i don't know how yeah. how much the details but kind of the overall right and ju just the way that that video basically started a phenomenon of like internet porn basically like <laughs> it was yeah well, it's crazy it, it is what it is i guess it and you can um i and i started to watch and i i thought it was newer i had listened to this podcast mm -hmm. and it's um it was like a deep dive into the whole Monica Lewinsky thing from Monica Lewinsky's kind of oh, perspective and stuff. Okay. Yeah. And very like, you know, whatever, 30 years after, or however long it's been like retrospective of all the facts and the broader picture of like this, the world just shitting all over this young girl for having a crush on the most powerful man in the world. And you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't it sucked. Like, yeah. yeah like it like how we treated her was is horrible and the same thing the same kind of vibe i think with uh pam and tommy Pam, yeah but that show is on also on hulu and uh clive owens is uh plays bill clinton it's really good <laughs> really? um it's not yeah it's the show's pretty good it's called american crime story like the um i yeah, whatever i forget so it's like it's a dramatization of that yeah okay and it's fall it's mostly following monica lewinsky and the other uh i forget all the players all their names but oh i like that idea yeah check that out it's really okay. good it's um, called american crime story american crime story colon colon something like right, yeah. something yeah so uh, there's that's like a series right where they have different stories yeah there's yeah. a american crime story with um the oj simpson one that one's on netflix it's fucking incredible oh is that the one with cuba gooding yes it's okay, so yeah. good couldn't recommend it more it's we did really, watch really we did watch yeah. that one yeah that was good this, yeah. uh, this doesn't seem to me as good sarah paulson is in this though at oh, unrecognizable okay. sarah paulson and she might be the best actress like she's of good our time. yeah she's, she's amazing she was in the oj one too yeah yeah and she was great in that and she was um, amazing yeah she was yeah. amazing in that one too cool all right well you, yeah yeah, that's, well, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Paul Thomas Anderson Marathon. Uh, next week, Boogie Nights. My name is Brad Patello. Find me on Instagram at Brad Patello. Gus is Mr. Trouth. Uh, email us at movieodyssey.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.